You haven't seen them with their children, maybe. You haven't seen them with their grandmother. You haven't seen them at work. You haven't seen them in certain scenarios where they shine in different ways. And there's so much more to us and everything. And, and I'm just saying like your perception is limited. So open it up a little bit and, and don't think that the little perception you have is the truth, the way, the right. It's not. It's just your perception and it's working for you until it's not working for you. And it's, when it's not working for you, maybe you're too tunnel visioned, you know, maybe you're too, too narrow in your vision. You know, your perception is too limited. So expand it, open it up. And it's not just about always seeing more. It's about seeing deeper. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. All right, all right, all right, everybody. We are here for another show with Brandon and Evan on Way of the Artist. And this one might make me a little bit impassioned at some point. I'm just going <laughs> to warn you. I've been getting a little bit lit up on the last bunch of episodes we've had. But this one in particular, I think will bring up some interesting stuff. So the title of this, if you didn't read it, because you're just jumping into the next one, or just like I'm going to randomly pick is radically rethinking our perceptions. And Evan and I talked a little bit about like what we might title this. And just so you know, it came from the origin of the ideas of how we learn, how we teach, how we guide each other, the way we kind of see what we learn and, and how we understand what we learn and our relationship to what we learn and our relationship to how we teach as well, I think relates to all of this. There's probably some other elements, but it was born a little bit out of that. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, at least my goal, and I'll just say this off the top, my goal is to help you and us as well, Evan and I, to disrupt certain limitations in the way that we perceive the world and, the, and, and mostly just kind of the program. There's a program I believe we're all kind of running on, a little bit autopilot. It's unquestioned. You don't notice it. It kind of runs in the background. And it's just mostly on the way you grew up, what you learned, you know, the systems were put in. And sometimes those systems fail us and they, they cause a lot of um, pain and suffering and angst and just difficulty later in life. And I think let's try and blow that all over the water. Let's change this. Let's just look at how we do that. And that's what I got, Evan. I don't know. What do you got to say? Yeah, no, that's a great introduction. And I'll just add on to that by bringing in perhaps some of my own context as to how this conversation for me got got going um, in terms of some of the things that you said and, and I said and things that are interesting to me about this conversation, uh, at least as far as maybe a good jumping off point. But one of the things about this conversation about um, radically rethinking our perceptions, one of the biggest ones that I see uh, along these lines is our perceptions of right and wrong. Uh, especially as it pertains to an artist and anyone who's been in an artistic field, I can definitely attest to this is, you know, within acting. Um, because acting is such an interpretive form of, of art. Right. Like all, I mean, all art forms are, but like acting is one of these, these things where you can have, you know, a production can be run many times over hundreds of years, right? Like we're still performing Shakespeare <laughs> and sometimes classic Greek, you know, plays still get put up on <laughs> in, in different places. So you've, there, the potential for dozens, hundreds of people over the course of time playing the same, thousands of people playing the same roles uh, is, is, is a reality. So you have to get out of the idea as an actor pretty soon, you know, that there's an idea of a right way to play it, even though a lot of actors get trapped in that, sometimes unconsciously. Um, but that's just one of... Uh, to me, I see that as a part of 
this thing that we are addressing, these things, these sort of attitudes, you know, because sometimes it's not like somebody told us just like, oh, well, there is a right and a wrong. No, it's it's the way in which we behave in our society. We start to just adopt these attitudes and these mentalities sometimes without even really knowing that we have. Uh, and this right and wrong one is, is I think, one of them. Um, that just like, no, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And it's only one or the other. And, you know, in terms of the artist perspective on it, it's just like, uh, no, not really. You know, <laughs> that's, that's not really the, the case. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive into, into some of these things a little bit deeper and, and see where we see where we end up. Yeah. One of the examples you brought up was from your class, you know, or, or a class you're maybe, uh, about to do, but talking about like owning your role and the, the whole idea of, you know, you were, you were talking before we ever recorded just about how thinking that there is a right way to do the role is, is the one thing that's going to stop you from being able to make that role your own. It, it, that's what's yeah. going to stop you. And so if you look at our traditional school system, you know, it rewards us for getting the right answer, probably 90 to 95% of the time. And that means that we walk into the world thinking that 90 to 95% of the time that being right is, is how you win. But when it comes to art, it's like, no, actually that's how you lose. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. if you do it right, you'll probably inevitably do it wrong because doing it right is the most boring, most obvious, most cliche thing you could do. Mm -hmm. And when you or writing a script or, you know, making a movie or doing an acting performance. And I'm sure painting a painting or, or writing a song or doing any of this stuff, there's kind of this obvious way that will probably appear like this is, this is what needs to be done. This is how to do it, you know? And that is the thing you need to go. That is the first programmed idea. Like that's the idea. That's not my own. That's the idea that is so obvious. I need to look beyond it or, you know, and sometimes occasionally it's okay to go with the obvious, but that's going to be something that you're going to have to kind of figure out through experience and, and whatever. But my point is, is that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a real problem with this need to be right. And this thinking that right is somehow good and always the way to win and succeed. It just isn't. And unfortunately, most people, if you've gone to traditional elementary school or, or, or public school of any sort like that, you've basically learned this. If I just get the right answer, I beat, I beat the game. I win. Mm -hmm. And then you get out into the real world and that mostly doesn't work outside of doing a basic, very basic job, which is probably very unfulfilling. Yeah. For most people at least. Yeah. Um, there was something in there that you said, and it's also something that you had mentioned um, beforehand as well that that is important for us to touch on, which is this thing of authority. Uh, you know, this thing of authority as, and, and that's another part of these perspectives that, you know, you think that there's just, that someone's, there's someone out there who knows the answer. You know, there's, there's just that there is an answer to all of these things. And that I think fits in line with a lot of this right and wrong stuff as well. Right. And, uh, I think that we spend a lot of time and energy just trying to like find the person who has the answer for me. And the artist perspective is more of an internal one, right? It's just like, well, only, you know, what the right answer is, mm -hmm. right. Depending, because Look, it's not to say that that oh right and wrong doesn't exist on some level because I do think right and wrong does exist but it's not right and wrong does not exist in this um objective kind of way. Yes. Right? Like it's not just something that's sitting there all the time. You know, it's it's right and wrong is a fluid thing. Right? Well, and so can there's I, can I yeah, go can for I, it. Can I interrupt? Okay, hold on. Like, it, it, it is fluid for the most part, but there are things where right and wrong, they they actually matter. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't just throw them out. 
but they're not, it's not all the time. And like a simple example of this is like math, right? It's okay. Two plus two is not five. Two plus two is yeah. not three. Two plus two is not six. And two plus two is not seven. Two plus two is four. Mm-hmm. And that is the right answer. Now, if you, if you want to make an argument that two plus two is not four, then we're getting into the art of math. And maybe there's some value value like in doing that where you can kind of, you know, play around in this atmosphere of whatever. But when we're, we do need a reality to work from. We do need a certain kind of consistency and agreeable kind of, um, we can agree that this is this, and this is how this works. Like this is the system in which we put in place and, and that's the system. And if you get the system wrong, the system breaks. So um, know the system. Now it doesn't mean that you, you, the system is your God. And now you have to follow that system and, and like, you can't ever do anything outside of it. But if you want to work within that system, which is the system of math, there is going to be a right and a wrong. And it helps because it's, it's doing a certain job where it becomes an issue. And I think this is more about what you're talking about is when we try to use math, for example, to solve problems that math cannot solve yeah. where we can try to use the right and wrong mentality in an area that doesn't work under the same rules as say math would work where there is a clear right and wrong. So there's certain fields that this just does not carry weight. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so we need to have this kind of fluidity and flexibility, I think is what you're kind of talking about. But I thought that was important to mention because we're not just saying like, oh yeah, like make it up, just be whatever, you know, it's not, that's not exactly what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, this is not some sort of, um, necessarily like moral relativism or anything like that. And I'm glad that you, you brought that up and, and clarified some of those points because yes, absolutely. There are things and like you mentioned, like within math where it is, there is a kind of importance, you know, particularly if you are say like an engineer or something like that, math matters, <laughs> you know, like it's, if you're a physicist, really does, math yeah. matters, right? <laughs> like it's, um, the bridge will collapse otherwise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. There's, there's real, um, there's real consequences to, to getting it wrong and there are things that we have a certain kind of objective understanding with that even though it's not perfect right because we're always like take i just mentioned engineering engineering is advancing constantly right like the way that we are able to build certain structures in ways that we've never been able to do it before like that's all advancements that's taking stuff and and learning more than what we knew before so it's not like engineering was all figured out you know however many years ago and we're just doing the same thing like it's it's an evolving process as well right so uh even then like so there's still like well there's there is a right and wrong in some senses but it's but there is still room for um for growth there is still room for for it to advance um and probably will never stop advancing in many mm-hmm. regards right um but in terms of this show and what we're doing you know like way of the yeah. artist the artist is concerned very much with the subjective reality with subjective reality and subjective reality is a much more fluid type of place to be navigating, right? Some, some things do tend to be right and wrong in some regards. Um, but more so it's a moment to moment thing. It's like what's right for one situation, uh, might not be right for another situation. Right. And what's wrong for for one situation might end up being right for another one. So it's really more so what's what is appropriate, what makes sense, what what works with in relationship to whatever present circumstance is going on, as opposed to there's some kind of fixed answer to all of Mm -hmm. it and trying to have some kind of a fixed answer to everything, uh, I think is is the point that I'm 
that I'm trying to drive at with this one. And just one last thing, and I'll turn it back over to you, but it might seem like, okay, but you're just talking about the subjective side of things. And yes, subjective and objective, I mean, they're things that go together. They're both, um, they're both aspects of reality. The thing is, is that um, as human beings, we don't really, we don't really live objectively. We live experientially, which is to say we are living in subjectivity. Yes. That's right? a really so, important point. Yeah. So that's not that we don't, we, we are not objective about certain things and at certain times, but we're human beings. We're emotional creatures. We have a subjective point of view on the world. We all are walking around with this. So I think that that's why it's important. And that's why, you know, art exists to a certain extent because it helps to express that subjective reality with which we're living in, right? With that's full of, um, that's full of meanings, you know, it's just full of meanings and, and differences and, uh, nuances as we talked about recently, right? Like it's, it doesn't have, it doesn't always have these concrete, uh, a concrete language, for it mm -hmm. right because in many like it, you kind of pointed this out but you know even something like math well math is an invention it's math is still an abstraction to a certain degree the world and the universe is not math right math is a language in which we use to describe the universe yes right and it does so very well in many ways but it also does not entirely describe it either you know there's there's describing the universe through math and then there's describing the universe through poetry yes right <laughs> they each fulfill a certain function and there's a third looking up at the stars and experiencing what you see you yes. know there's there's like english as a language is what we're speaking but every word that I'm using is just a symbol and every symbol is being put together in a certain fashion, in a certain way to try to communicate some type of concept or idea. And it's amazing that we can follow along and I can say these words and every single word is a different symbol, like a caveman drawing little symbols on a, on a wall and you're following them and you're actually getting what I'm saying and you're understanding and I'm communicating in, in a quite advanced way, you know? And, and, and so this is pretty interesting. It's pretty cool, but like this is still the end of the day, these words that are coming out of my mouth can never summarize and never actually give you the total clarity from my perception of what I'm talking about. And this is kind of the thing that, you know, we don't always take into account, I think, where people kind of go, oh, like, yeah, yeah, I heard what they said. It's like, yeah, you heard what they said. And so then if someone says it again, you think, oh, well, I've already heard what they said. It's like the you can, I, I, I can, I can guarantee you this. And I, I stand behind this 100%. What you think you know is a fraction of what it is. And how I know this is because I do this course, Timeless Storytelling, and I ask people questions. And over the course of the, this, over the course of this course, I probably ask people over a hundred different types of questions, probably even more than that. I haven't, I've never counted, but there's a bunch of cash questions. And some of them are very simple questions, like what's a story. And so when I ask people, what's a story, they go, well, I don't know what a story is. I don't know what a story is. Okay. A story is this, da, da, da. you, you want to know what, out of all the people that have been in there, Nobody ever says the same answer. Nobody ever says it quite the same. Nobody ever articulates story. And you'll find that when you're in a group class doing this course, and that's just one of many questions, very simple question, very almost obvious question, but you'll find that you learn something from story just from hearing everyone's answer. Mm -hmm. And you thought you knew story and you thought your way was story. And then you hear someone else summarize story. And then you realize, oh, wow, stories 
more and different. And I'm always learning from every single student that I ask this question from, they always kind of teach me something a little bit more about story as one specific example. So story is just a symbol. It's just a word. It's just an idea, but it carries with it this whole wealth of stuff. So when you say, what is a story? There's 700 probably answers that are right. So then what's the most mm -hmm. right answer of the 700? I mean, when you get into that, it's like, who cares? You know what I mean? There's on, only yeah. a more full answer. There's only a more complete answer, uh, a deeper answer, but it's not a more right answer. It's, it's an answer with a body. And, and this is the real point I want to kind of get across, Evan. It's an answer with a body because at first story was a stick man for you. But then someone else filled in some information and all of a sudden, you know, this, this stick man started to, you know, have, have a physical structure. It started to have like body to it, bones, you know, and then someone else described it and you got the fingertip of story, you know, which is a whole part of story, which maybe you, you just never really thought about. And, and so it goes mm -hmm. on and on and on. And there's only, that's only one word. And how many words do we have in the English language? Right. And this is, the, the last point I'll say, it's the same as a caveman or woman drawing the, the picture of the bear on the cave and showing everyone what the bear looked like and what it did. And that's only one drawing of that bear and it does not complete the whole bear. You know what I mean? It's just the image and we understand it, but we don't necessarily experience it and know the depth of it, which is, I think, a big part of this conversation. Yeah. And we're, we've definitely, we're, we're diving into like a really, uh, a really interesting one here. Um, a very sort of, uh, philosophical wormhole, I suppose, rabbit hole, wormhole, whatever you want to want to say, but I like it. I like it. Um, because yeah, this, this whole notion of, yeah, these things are all just, um, ideas for things and, and abstractions for things as you're talking about like there's there's the direct experience right like there's which i love that you that you saw that which is like oh yeah there's there's the math which describes the universe there's the poetry that describes the universe and then there's just experiencing the universe <laughs> yeah right you actually having direct experience without you know, and this is going down like the the crazy sort of like mindfulness uh, rabbit hole of like where there's like there's no words for it there's no descriptors there's just direct there's just direct experience with mm -hmm. what is um, which is I think a rare a rare glimpse that we get from time to time when we're just so sometimes when we're just dumbfounded by some awe-striking sight right and for a second we're just, there's no thoughts, there's no words and very quick. And maybe it lasts for like a second or two. And then, <laughs> you know, the words start coming back into our, our minds as we start to like, you know, apply these abstractions to what we are experiencing. Right. Which is, um, a bizarre, uh, kind of phenomenon in and of itself. Um, but it's interesting, like, as you were talking, it made me think of uh, as some people might know, I'm I've had a I have a continued uh, fascination and and love affair of sorts with um, with Zen, with the Zen tradition and kind of a lot of its peculiarities. And what you were saying, it was just like it made me think of oh yeah, that's so interesting because you know uh, you think of something like the haiku, right? The form like the five seven five syllable piece of poetry and much of what you can sort of observe about zen art forms is their simplicity they are you know like like zen painting is about as few brush strokes as you can basically possibly do to make an image emerge um from from the the paper um likewise the haiku is like you have a limited number of words to describe something and in many ways, like there's these stories of Zen masters being asked to answer something or describe something. And they always kind of go, oh, it's a real pity that I must. 
It's mm-hmm. really because it, it just lent me a kind of perspective what you were saying. It's like, oh yeah, because because the problem is getting hung up on the words. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like I'm trying they're trying to show you the experience, like we we're talking about, right? Like, no, 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 the experience, the experience. And if too many words are just gonna create a confusion. <laughs> so the less that I can say, the better. Right, which is a, a general sort of attitude that comes out of that talking about attitudes and mm. <laughs> and perceptions, right? It's like the the less that I can say about this, the better, because otherwise it can become too complicated. Otherwise, it can become too much of a distraction. You know, but sometimes the right words at the right time can have a very powerful effect, right? So it's like kind of fitting in line with what we're talking about. It's not that that words are wrong. Because words are not wrong, like the, the, but the right words at the right time, which you only know through your attention and your presence, can have a tremendous effect. And in the Zen tradition, it can actually like smack a person into like having uh, an awakening type of experience, right? And there's a lot of different funny stories <laughs> about how that's happened um, for a lot of people. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, I think it fits in really well with with this conversation and and it's given me a a perspective just on that it's like oh yeah the less sometimes we can say the better about certain things um because yeah it can become it can become too complex for us to navigate at a certain point there's something about the unsaid that is not always it's not always rewarded and acknowledged in our society and I think when you look at the haiku, it's like you say less and you paint a picture and it leaves a lot of room for the imagination. And I, I think this is a big thing, you know, especially for the artists out there or people who want to at least have more of an artistic direction in their life. Like there's so much that cannot really be said, otherwise it cheapens it. And so you know, there is something in the silence that's valuable. And there's something in the imagination of like, like you fill in the blanks, you know? And, and like, I think of art a little more now as like, what I do is I set up the structure for you to fill in the blanks. And I look at it that way because I look at the audience or the viewer or the reader or whoever as a participant in the process. And I never used to look at it that way. I used to think that I had to, I had to do it all. I had to like paint every little detail and I had to show them everything. And, you know, in this kind of like, almost like a motif, it would continually pop up throughout my journey as an artist, where I would remember hearing like, you know, that the scariest horror movies back in the day were the movies with like the lowest budget because they couldn't show the monster and people would imagine the monster. And I remember hearing those stories and being like, yeah, it's true. And it'd be like, and I, it's, you know, and it was little bits, like little stories like that. I started to realize, yeah, like, why am I trying to outwork someone's imagination? Why am I trying to do that part for them? Like, why don't I just set up the dynamic to let them decide what they think and how they feel? And I think, it's, it's kind of like, Evan, I think it goes back to our law of trust. You have to trust, you have to trust that you've set it up, right. That you've you know done it and like, and not right, but like, you know, cause we're talking about this right, wrong, but like in the best way that you can, you know what I mean? And like, could there be a better way maybe, but like, it doesn't make it more right. But also sometimes there's not really a better way. There's just a different way. And sometimes the different way is just your way. And I think a really important part of this whole conversation is that we learn a little bit like under the model that we have to know everything. And what I learned when I got into college was when I first started really learning because I studied a lot of philosophy. Because once you start studying philosophy, you realize you don't know anything. And all you do is you just, you find out more and then it just has 10 more questions lined up behind what you just found out. And then you're like, okay, maybe if I find these next things out, then I'll know. And then it's just like, now you have 
a hundred new questions and you're like, Oh my God, I'm worse off than I started, mm -hmm. but you're not, you're better off. It's just that you realize what you don't know. And when you realize what you don't know, what it does for a student is it creates wonder and curiosity, which the school system, in my opinion, kills in traditional sense, because a lot of these things basically go, you got all the answers. You don't need any more curiosity or wonder. You already know it. So why would you have curiosity and wonder? And then you just kill yourself because like, now, you know, everything like good, you're done. Like who cares? Right. And like, what are you going to walk around be a know-it-all? You don't know it all. You're so arrogant to think that you do first of all. And second of all, it's not your fault. You were programmed and put into a system that basically basically gives you the belief that you can, you can know. And really, I believe that if people walked into the world going, there's so much, I don't know. Here's the little bit that I think I know, and I'm going to contribute the little bit that I think I know to the massive amount that I don't. And maybe I can find some other people that know a little bit of things that I don't know, and they can help me put more of this puzzle together. And then we would be collective community. We would work together. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me when you just simplify it down to that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey everybody, this is Evan, and this episode is brought to you by my book. Yes, I recently released a book called The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way, and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like this thing of, of um, another thing I always like to share with actors is uh, as far as like a change in perspective is this thing of like, you're never done. Mm -hmm. Right. There's, um, you're not done until production is over. Right. Like it's, uh, which is, I think a, a common misconception that, that I often, I know I had and, and that I've seen in other actors, which is like, oh, okay, now it's, um, we've done our rehearsals and all of that. And now it's all finished. And it's just about recreating, uh, what we did in our best rehearsals. And it's like, that's just a terrible idea. Why the fuck would you even want to keep acting at that point? Like, why would you want to continue on with the performance if it's all just done and settled and you just sit and doing the same thing over and over and over and over again? It's like, you're not done. You're still learning. And if you're not at least open to, to still learning something about this story, about this part that you're playing, this person that you are playing, if you're not open to being surprised still, in the middle of performance, your performance is dead. Mm -hmm. Like you're completely dead in the water. So it's like, yeah, like we, we take things and we learn things and we ask questions. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, there are things that we can do to help set ourselves up. Right. But I honestly think that what you need to set up is really just like, all right, set yourself up in the best position to respond really it's just like give your like you have to set yourself in the best way that you can respond that you've got like basically just some footing you've got a platform underneath you but then you've got to you've got to be present you've got to be engaged with the actual real time right now feedback that you're getting in order to be able to intelligently respond like that, that should be absolutely obvious to all of us, but it isn't because most of us, and I'm guilty of this as well. So like, I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm doing this and everybody, you need to start doing this now. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I get caught up in this shit all the time because this is again, part of how, um, you know, so many of us have been sort of conditioned you know, um, in our lives. Um, 
and and how and it's been like this for generations and generations and generations right so like what we're talking about is like you know we're trying to to break some pretty deeply ingrained patterns not only within ourselves but things that have been in our societies and cultures for such a long time but it should be perfectly obvious that the only way to intelligently respond to anything that is happening is through presence not through some idea you have from something that happened before right no the only like that the only way to intelligently respond is to is to be actually in contact and aware of what is actually happening right in front of you right now mm-hmm but that's not really how we conduct ourselves. You know, like we live in more, we, we choose to more so live in a world of assumptions, right? Um, beliefs, uh, you know, all of these things that we think we, we know about how things are, right? And from that attitude, we aren't able to see what's right in front of us. We're not open to actually learning more, right? Which is, again, it's that's a, a never-ending process. You'll always be learning. You'll always be evolving. You'll always be growing. The most advantageous place to be is from this letting go of all of that shit kind of space. Letting go of that like i have to be right like we we're like look at what we're seeing right now in our in our world with the amount of confusion and hostility and partisanship that we see in our world like everybody's locked into their ideas of how they think things are what they think is right and wrong and everybody's just fucking screaming at each other and very often I have found that like whenever I I find myself in a, which thankfully I don't find myself in this situation very often, but when I have, when I'm talking about any kind of a potentially hot button issue with somebody, um, and there's perhaps some area where there's a perceived disagreement and there's suddenly a, a hostility that I sense coming my way. Very often the question I ask is, what do you think that I think? What is it that you think that I think? Because so often, and not just in my, in my own life, but I've observed this like in, you know, from friends and family telling me stories as well, where it's like, when you actually just calm down <laughs> with each other and you actually, with tr- honest, open, curious communication and kindness acting in good faith towards one another and you discover that like oh we actually don't have a disagreement on the subject <laughs> or um or you realize that you have a whole shit ton of assumptions about the other person and what they think right and that's being perpetuated all over the place it's just like oh you think that well then it must also mean that you also think this 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 and this yes thing. yeah and it's like hold the fucking phone for a second here <laughs> like like where did you get that from you know this is so this is i'm just illustrating this i'm not trying to make some even though i am making a bit of a social point here i'm using i want to use this more so put the focus back on th- this is a as an illustration of kind of the a thing that's going on for like how many of us are operating how most of us are operating right where we're actually living in these assumptions and these ideas and beliefs about what things are how things are who people are all of this shit we're caught up in these images and abstractions of each other and not actually involved with the actual thing and with the actual person we were not even i mean it seems like we're not even interested in in actually finding out which is maybe the most for me sometimes the most depressing part of it <laughs> you know it's like are we not even interested in in really knowing or are we also caught up in our ideas of right and wrong that mm-hmm. we're no longer actually talking to each other anymore yeah there's some there's so much stuff you're bringing up 
and it does relate to art like especially in film because it's so collaborative and you got to work together and um, especially when you're starting out and you're working together and maybe you don't have a lot of money to just pay everybody and say shut up and work (laughs) (laughs) not that you would but i mean some people do i mean that's the reality in this industry but you know, and a lot of people are there for goodwill, good faith, you know, uh, project of love and passion. Um, people still have an ego and they still have their own desires and their own things and, um, and whatever else. And, uh, I think the thing is, is before you ever tell anybody else what to do, unless, unless like you're running some type of thing and you've invited them and they've agreed to be a part of whatever you're building. But if you're just going to approach somebody or, or, or say to somebody like, you should do this as though you know the way, check yourself. Because if you don't understand why they're doing it their way, then you have no right whatsoever to ever tell them what to do. And this is the narcissism of our culture where people are so arrogant that they will tell other people what to do without even understanding why someone's doing what they're doing. And they make these assumptions, Evan, they say, Oh, you're doing it because of this. And maybe, you know, to, to, to bring this into a geopolitical thing, maybe they saw that on the news and the news told them people do this because of that. And you're just a fucking parrot. Now you're repeating what you heard from someone else. Stop. Stop. Take a breath. You do not know why most people are doing what they're doing for sure, for sure, for certain. You just don't know. Try to say the same thing at the same time, <laughs> certain and sure. But anyway, look, you don't know. So you need to, you need to have curiosity. You need to open up and say like, okay, like um, maybe they, maybe someone even agrees with you, but they might not agree with you for the same reasons you think it's that way. They might think it's that way for other reasons there's a lot of assumptions. We try and fill in the, 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 the back end of all of this stuff with all this information. And now why is this important? Well, one, I mean, look, you'll get along with your neighbor a lot better if you understand them and you won't get into silly fights and make dumb assumptions about other people that you just don't know. And actually really at the end of the day, you're the ignorant ass. If you do that, not them, you, So you won't be an ignorant ass and you'll get along with people better. You'll make more friends. You might even expand your view. You might actually get through to someone and help them over to your way if your way is actually a better way. But you'll test those ideas and they'll understand why you're coming at it. You'll understand why they're coming at it. And you'll you'll work together in a collaborative way. Okay, so that's one thing. But the next thing is, is like, you'll make better art together. You'll do better things together. Because look, like, a lot of people make assumptions that people do things for, for, for certain reasons. And like, you don't know why people do a lot of what they do. And I brought this up in the other podcast is like, why do people put money into a film? Well, some people, you know, maybe most, maybe, I don't know, put money into a film because they look at it as an investment and it's, it's, it's a bit of a risky investment, but you can make a lot of money back if you get involved with the right projects. So some people do it because of the financial gain and potential of, you know, putting a little money in or whatever. Some people do it because they want to be around movie stars. Some people just want to have the experience of being involved in a film or they want their name on the credits. Some people, you know, for them, it's about going to the after party. Some people it's about, I have this project I want to create and it's all about me creating it. And I just want to create it. Or I want to be a part of someone that's creating something great. And I want to work with them. There's all sorts of reasons why you might do something. We don't all do them for the same reasons. And so if you don't know why people do what they do, don't ever tell them what to do because their reasoning for them is really, really good. And if you don't even care enough to hear their reasoning, then they're never going to care what your point of view is either because you don't care about them. So why should they care about you? So at the end of the day, what am I saying? It comes down to care. It comes down to caring and caring is about you know, letting go of your ego and your narcissism and your arrogance. And look, we're all a little arrogant. We've all done it. You know, you're not a bad person. It doesn't, you know, you just, you just everybody, like it's part of the, also the way you were programmed and it's part of the way that you were conditioned. You were conditioned to make assumptions, unfortunately, in this society. So I'm going to say it again. Stop. 
stop. You have your opinion. You think it should be this way. Maybe it's your artistic project. Someone else, maybe the producer. I don't know. They think it should be this way. Do you know why they think it should be this way? Do they know why you think it should be this way? Are you hearing each other? Stop. Figure out the why. The why is so much more important than the what. Hmm. And this will totally drastically and radically evolve your perception of making moves in the world. It's so important. Yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating because it's like, it's true. Sometimes we get so so caught up on the surface level of things, right? And we make the mistake of thinking that that's, that is the most important thing to put the focus on when so often you can just, if you go a little bit of a layer deeper, you can often find out, oh, what this is actually all about, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, it's like, oh, this, this isn't actually about, um, this isn't actually about me not vacuuming the house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a domestic argument or something yeah like, right like <laughs> this is actually what it's about just to <laughs> yeah totally that's a great example that's a wonderful example because it because then you get in this crazy fight about something and it's not even about that really <laughs> yeah yeah it's about it's about something much deeper it's about someone not feeling heard it's about someone not uh you know not feeling like they're getting enough time with you or, uh, yeah. you know, something like that. Right. Like it's, um, it's, it's usually there's something more and it was just the vacuuming that, <laughs> that, you know, was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Like, yeah. is it about the vacuuming kind of, but not really <laughs> not, not fundamentally. And, and th that's again, I think very often the, the case with how we operate so often, right? Like we get so caught up on, the surfaces of things. Yeah, we do. Yeah. 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 And I think it, I think it, it makes our art and our, our expression shallow. And, um, and, and I think that sometimes we just don't know that that's why, you know, and I, like at the end of the day, I mean, I would say this to everybody, like, <clears throat> you know, the way I talk sometimes to our audience is like a little bit, in my opinion, maybe to some people, they love it. Maybe some people hate it, but I talk a little bit assertive at times where I'm just like, like really, I really try to be direct. And when I'm trying to be direct, the reason why I do that is now you can maybe understand because maybe you don't like it, but the reason why I do it is because I found for me, sometimes I just needed someone to be really direct. And when people were like, Brandon, stop, think. You know, and they were like, mm -hmm. like, I'm going to kick your ass a little bit. You know, like <laughs> something my dad used to say to me, we have a funny relationship, but regardless, I'm going to kick <laughs> your ass a little bit. I actually appreciated that because sometimes, you know, I was so caught in my thing, doing my thing. And then someone goes like here, like, just look, you know what I mean? And, and there can be something good about that, but, but don't feel ashamed if you get caught doing quote unquote, the wrong thing that you're doing something ignorant or you're doing something dumb or you're doing something arrogant or you're being egotistical. Don't make yourself a bad person for that. Understand that we all do that in certain ways, right? And just go, okay, look, oh, look at me, look at me. I'm I'm getting into a tunnel vision here. I'm, I'm, I think I know everything. I'm being a little arrogant about what I think I know or I'm being a little narcissistic and not thinking about what other people actually think and why they're doing what they're doing. Just catch yourself. And then stop and then go. And I think it's a, you know, and I think like, you know, just to go back to that one little topic about talking direct with people, I also talk pretty compassionate with people. And there are moments in this podcast where I cry out from my most vulnerable place for you guys to reach up into your heart and let that, you know, let that run your life and not, not let the world stomp it out. So there are different, there are different shades of me. But if you only saw me be direct to you, you might go, oh, Brandon, that guy's an asshole. He's a blah, blah, blah. I think blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you haven't seen all the sides. And just what I'm saying about that is that your neighbors, you haven't seen all the sides of them. You haven't seen them with their children, maybe. You haven't seen them with their grandmother. You haven't seen them at work. You haven't seen them in certain scenarios where they shine in different ways. 
And there's so much more to us and everything. And, and I'm just saying like your perception is limited. So open it up a little bit and, and don't think that the little perception you have is the truth, the way, the right. It's not. It's just your perception and it's working for you until it's not working for you. And it's when it's not working for you, maybe you're too tunnel visioned, you know, maybe you're too, too narrow in your vision. You know, your perception is too limited. So expand it, open it up. And it's not just about always seeing more. It's about seeing deeper. I think that's a really important point. Yeah, it is an important point, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, man. Uh, okay. There's a couple other things I want to say. Yeah. Go well, for it. you know, we have this moment. Um, I think, you know, look, like I'm a big believer in education. Like I, like I think education is one of the most important ways to help the world move forward. And, and the more people are educated, the better off we are because, uh, lacking education tends to be the thing that causes a lot of the problems. If you look with people, because, um, when you don't have options, when you don't have awareness, the world can be very confusing and you can be very limited in your choices. If your only choice to get the way you want is to be, get angry about it, then you're going to have very limited options. You're going to probably ruffle a few feathers and you're going to run into problems, right? So education is important, but that being said, not all education is, is always really good for you. And I think that we need to be more critical about the way we learn. And I think that whenever you're learning anything, even, you know, like listening to me talk right now, I mean, just take it with a grain of salt, right? Like don't, don't, don't just, don't just take it. Like it's the way, like, this is the answer. Like I'm still working from the best that I got and I, and I'm improving all the time. And, you know, and, uh, and so I'm giving you the best I got, but it's not the way it's not the answer. Like nobody has the way or the answer. And you need to look at it in terms of everything you learn don't take it as, as the truth, as the way, as the fact, as the, as the right answer, consider it as an option. And if it's the best option you have, you can work with it. But the way I I've learned to look at things is this is the best I have to work with at the moment. But if someone introduces me to a better idea, I'm fully willing to abandon this idea and jump on board that one, because this one would be obsolete and out of date. I'm not going to hang on to it and be like, this is the way I'm right. I've always used this. My parents always used it. My grandparents always did it this way. It's like, who gives a shit? You know, there's a certain time where you need to kind of go, look, this thing that I've been doing, the way I've been looking at it isn't, it's, it's, it's out of date. It's running out. It's, it wasn't complete enough. And maybe it's not a full jumping ship. Maybe it's just a little bit more like building a wing, <laughs> you know, it's like adding a little bit more to the idea, fleshing it out a little bit more. You know, um, but just look at things as I think, uh, Evan, you put it kind of in process, in progress, and in a consistent kind of constant development. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Because I think the, the, okay, the answer, go for it. yeah, the answer, right. Well, this is the last thing I'll say then. The, the answer being I'm right is as assuming you have the complete and full answer both with yeah. width and depth and everything, you know, that, that's the only way. So you could be like, you might be right about some of it, but maybe not all of it. So don't assume that you are hundred percent right on everything, you know, and that's, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the world and life is a, is such a massive, you know, um, sort of weaving of, really an infinite amount of things you know and we don't always have the whole picture as much as we often think that we have the whole I mean here we are saying a bunch of things on this podcast you know we don't have the whole picture you know like we're offering maybe a glimpse of of the picture right but you know it's this is our glimpse of some of the picture you know and it's um we don't we don't have access to the whole thing, mm -hmm. you know, most of us. But we're also us. not saying like, <laughs> don't listen to another podcast. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're saying like, this is a take, this is an artistic take on yeah. some ways you can go about life. It's not, you know, it's, it's a part of the whole picture. It's not the picture. Yeah. yeah. Listen, listen to us, listen to some other people, but most importantly, you know, like listen to yourself. Yes. Well, cheers, man. Let's, let's talk about beer. I think. All right. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually drinking one that I had uh, a few weeks ago. I didn't have, uh, have time to head out and grab a fresh one, but it's, um, Still good. I'm drinking the Shipwreck IPA from Lighthouse Brewing Company in Victoria, BC. And, uh, you know, I knew what I was getting with this one again. So it's like I was, uh, and it's delicious. It is a tasty brew. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed, helped fuel this, this conversation for sure. Nice. I don't think I've had this one before, although I might've, um, it's from Sawback, uh, which is a brewery that I've been frequenting a little bit um, there in Alberta. Um, it's a craft lager, and it's called Hammer Down. But the, what's interesting is um, with this beer, I uh, I had another beer called Hammer Down, but it was from a different company. So there's two beers out there in Alberta, both called Hammer Down, but this one's from Sawback. Anyway, um, yeah, it's a tasty little brew. I like it. Everything they've put out i've been digging and that's what i'm drinking today nice so nice. Uh, final thoughts my man um let me go first yeah okay i'll say this your your artistic expression is is it there's so much more than the obvious and I, I really think that as an, as an artist, developing the ability to dig deeper is so, so important. If you ever want to find out what your true voice, your true vision, your true expression is, and it's not always easy, but to give you a step in the right direction, at least in a direction, considering we're talking about right and wrong, but to give you a, a step in a, in, in a direction, I think is helpful is that your first idea and your first concept and your first initial opinion, that should always be up for question and always be up for debate for you. Not, not like you don't have to share that with everybody and, and, and doubt yourself, but just be like, Hey, this is how, this is how I think this is. This is how I think this works this is I think what this should be. But I think what, what you want to do is do, do this kind of exercise. Just go stop. Okay, that's my first idea. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. And then what I like to do is 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 ask like why? You know, why do why do I want to do this? Why do I think it's this way? You know, get get into the depth like and then well why that? Why that? Why that? And go deeper. And we've done this before on the podcast and we've talked about this in various ways, but why will help you get into your reasoning, it'll help you dig deeper. And then as you get into that reasoning, you'll start to find um, kind of some kind of fodder, some, something you can use, something you can work with. And then you can ask questions about that. And so something that I kind of learned through filmmaking, you know, maybe this will just kind of like finish the point. But when I first learned how to make films, well, when I first made films, let me kind of go this way. When I first made films before I knew anything, all I did was follow my gut. And my films were actually pretty good because they didn't know anything, but they were technically, they could use some work, right? And, th and that's part of what learning about film does for you. But then I started to kind of do things the right way. And then, you know, it, it took something away. You know, it just, it just, it, it's like it was done right, but it wasn't done with a lot of like sick, like, like my signature, my vision, my voice. And I would say like, then I started to realize I'm like, okay, well, yeah, like I captured it, but like what I need to do is I need to infuse it with, with my experience of it, my vision, my feeling. And so, um, just to give a, a kind of an example in the last film I did, which by the way, I just won an award, which is kind of cool. So I won an award, but one of the scenes was the scene where um, this guy comes home and he finds his wife cheating on him with her masseuse. 
And like, you know, obviously the context of the scene is, you know, that's devastating. What a betrayal, you know, all that, right? There's all this obvious stuff. But when I was thinking about it, I was walking around thinking about, okay, how am I going to film this scene and what's going to look like? And uh, I was like, well, you're in hell. That would be like hell. And it was from the perception of the guy perception. And so I'm like, okay, it's got to feel like hell. And so I kind of got this idea, like I want this red lighting in the room. And then I want like, um, I want like this, like low hanging fog. <laughs> and then like, I want this guy cause it's a comedy too. So I could get away with some stuff so I could play a little bit. I mean, maybe in a more, um, you know, realistic or direct type of film, you wouldn't be able to do this, but I was, so I was like, well, let's play, let's have some fun with it. I wanted his body glistening. So I got them to like oil up his body. And this guy had like massive pecs and, you know, abs and everything. And he turns them. And, I, and also like, like, I want to have these, like, there's these movies and stuff where I saw where people like kind of just whip their head. And I find that really funny. So I want him to like whip his head to like, look at him. And then you just, you know, and, and I, I, all these little elements, they made that scene like kind of, kind of magical, a little larger than life, but it was like a really good little scene, you know? But it could have just been he walks in, sees his wife cheating on him, and he's really devastated. But this made it funny and it made it experiential. And so my point is, is that there's the obvious, and then you dig a little deeper and start to find out, you know, where you fit into it all and whatever that means, you know, and and then and then play. So, you know, and have some curiosity and have some fun. I have to see this film, Brandon. I haven't seen your film yet. So let me know when and where we can all see it. Sure, I'll I'll show you. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Radically radically rethinking our perceptions. This has been an interesting one. We went down some rabbit holes. Um I definitely had some of my own perceptions uh, sort of shifted and and given some new perspectives around certain things, um, which is fantastic. You know, like that's it's nice when when the thing that you're talking about is something that actually happens in the conversation. <laughs> um, you know what what occurred to me uh, at some point is. And Brandon, you're familiar with this one because I've said it many times, but it's my favorite poem. My favorite poem by Rumi. Beyond ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there is a field. I will meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the words each other don't make any sense. I love that poem. I still love that poem. It's still my favorite. It's been all over this conversation, <laughs> that poem. Um, and yeah, there's, there is a, there's a space that's that within us, uh, and in relationship to each other and to the world and everything that, that, is beyond right and wrong. And I think that that is, and not only that, but the poem implies that this is a pretty good space to occupy. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that we just suddenly stop thinking and that we suddenly start letting horrible things happen and just allow people to behave in shitty ways to others or to ourselves doesn't mean any of that. But I like to think that sometimes I like to think that within that poem, it's saying that it's in many ways, precisely because of the thinking of right and wrong that we behave in shitty ways to each other. Hmm. If we can go beyond right and wrong, there's a whole there's a whole different world for us to to occupy and to live and to exist and to experience. And 
just play with that. Just play with that in your life. Let go of trying to be right or other people being wrong and see if you can start listening to people, to others more, more deeply and maybe even yourself a bit more deeply too. <laughs> and, uh, and just explore, discover and, and, and grow. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going. <laughs>